Hello, and welcome back to the Celtics Lab. That music you just enjoyed at the top comes courtesy of Divine Sweater. I'm your host for today, Cameron Subdivide, joined as always by Mr. Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Dr. Quinn, how are things in Mexico? A little noisy with the uh, construction, but um, I'm offsetting that with my enthusiasm for a new monthly initiative that we are you know, putting together to kind of grow the Celtics Lab family a bit. Um, it's, it's a once a month thing that we're going to do to feature craftspeople, artists, and, and so forth in the Celtics community to give away some free swag. Well, I had a whole read prepared, but that was pretty good. Uh, I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, we're calling our <laughs> elaboration freebie of the month, um, where we hopefully can showcase some people doing some cool work. This week, or this month rather, we're showcasing the work of the one and only Smurf Water. You've probably seen their work online. And if you haven't, please head to Celtics Lab's Twitter page to find her red bubble and get yourself entered into this month's freebie giveaway by following at Celtics Lab on Twitter and retweeting the pinned tweet. We're giving away a very cool Marcus Smart graphic t-shirt. Um, Alex, anything I missed? Uh, no, I mean, I think I think y'all hit the nail on the head. I have one of those shirts. It's a good shirt. I wear it a lot. And, uh, you know, whenever I do wear it, I feel like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, who are featured on the shirt, just a little bit more spice to their game. So maybe I'll throw that on tonight. Well, there you have it. Enter this freebie and you could find yourself looking as sharp as Mr. Alex. Uh, gentlemen, we have some sort of breaking news that we should talk about before we get into oh, yeah. the week that was for the Celtics. Uh, I'm going to forego the new earned jerseys. We were going to talk about that, but they're not as good as the t-shirt we're giving away or the Celtics lab t-shirts that you can buy uh, independent of this giveaway. Instead, what I think we should carve out some time to talk about is the fact that this afternoon, the Boston Globe reported that LeBron James uh, is upping his stake um, in the Fenway Sports Group and is now reasonably a partner and owner of the Boston Red Sox, as well as Liverpool Football Club and Nesson. What are your immediate reactions? Because this could lead to very big things. Uh, my immediate reaction is I truly hope that LeBron can wrestle this team away from John Henry. Any way that we can get John Henry out of the Red Sox ownership group <laughs> is fine by me. I hate him. I think he's a bad <laughs> person, and uh, I hope he burns in hell. So, LeBron, uh, I realize that we've had our differences in the past, but, uh, you know, if you're listening, I don't know why you would be, but if you are, uh, <laughs> I, I, I respect your game very much. Uh, you've clearly done a lot for both basketball and uh, the world around you. Please coo John Henry out of Red Sox ownership. Uh, he's a son of a bitch. That's all. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Dr. Quinn? I don't really have any baseball feelings, not being a baseball fan since I was a wee lad, but uh, anytime we can get players of sports and ownership positions, even if it's not in the sport that they play, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's both, both of you kind of, those are my sentiments. Um, post LeBron's playing career, what becomes of uh, LeBron as a politician or a business person or an icon, I'm not sure, but I'm very curious and who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Cam, that he's expressed openly that he wants to own an NBA team. Oh, point. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm sure somewhere people either outright own or are part of groups that own NBA teams and baseball teams. But, I mean, the Red Sox are no spring chickens. That's a pretty cool thing to own a piece of. Uh, so, LeBron, 
uh, thanks for listening and congratulations, I guess is the <laughs> abundant take here at Celtics Lab. Uh, another sort of bit of breaking news that by the time you all are listening to this may or may not be very relevant is shortly before this Celtics jazz game uh, that will be played tonight, um, which after or before this podcast drops rather, Tristan Thompson was uh, ruled out with health and safety. And Alex, you have a take on this. Yeah, I do. Um, the timing is a little odd, I think, that Tristan Thompson is out. And, you know, obviously this is, uh, it, they're listing it as health and safety. It's possible that he was exposed to coronavirus. I'm not going to cast too much doubt on that. But trade deadline is coming up. Um, the health and safety protocol, if it's a confirmed exposure, typically takes a couple of weeks. As it turns out, the trade deadline is in now, I believe, 10 days. Um, if Tristan Thompson is out for a week, and we've seen some reporting to the effect of from uh, Chris Haynes, Yahoo, that Tristan Thompson uh, is available, according to him, and Haynes is a pretty well-connected guy, particularly with the Celtics organization, he broke the original Gordon Hayward signing, uh, among other things. So Haynes has some. Haynes has got some real sources. So if he says that Tristan Thompson is available, I think that means that Tristan Thompson is available. And while it's not a confirmation of anything, the absence and the timing of the absence is rather conspicuous. I mean, I could have told you that Tristan Thompson was available. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much um, you can abuse that system. It's really not very um, clear, but I do think that it is interesting. And I actually had the opposite thought that you kind of had was that maybe Tristan Thompson doesn't want to be traded. <laughs> He's trying to make it more complicated. Oh, I love a good conspiracy. That's an even better one than Alex's. Yeah, it's possible. Wild well, speculation. Uh if he indeed was COVID exposed, he could miss a little bit of action, which could be an opportunity for Robert Williams. Um, and we do have time carved out to discuss Robert Williams. Uh, but first, since we last talked, uh, the Celtics had a couple of interesting things happen. Um, first of all, uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker were all named Olympic finalists. And Marcus Smart has decided that he's not going to participate. That would be uh, starting in july i believe um i mean i have that's a whole other podcast what the hell's gonna happen with this olympics but um i'm kind of happy that marcus smart is stepping away he said he didn't want to get injured and marcus smart yeah. is a little injury prone so i'm pretty happy the timeline true. is absurd and, yeah yeah it's true and you know another thing to consider is that marcus smart's contract is a little closer to being up than those other guys so uh, Very Marcus, well said. Marcus Smart is preserving his value for free agency pretty wisely here. We are reading all sorts of tea leaves today. Uh, Dr. Quinn, any thoughts? Um, he's making the right call. Uh, the season, you know, assuming that Boston went as far as it possibly could, it would be the 22nd of July. The Olympics start on the 23rd. And then if you were one of the, I'm not sure when the basketball portion of the Olympics takes place in, but if it were um, towards the end, then you'd still only have um, like three weeks maximum for recovery from that before you start a whole right. new season. So. Yeah. I, I like the idea that he's preserving his body for the finals. So good thinking, Marcus. That's what I'm doing. Uh, a couple other interesting things before we talk about a game against Brooklyn and a game against Houston. Uh, 
Mr. Gordon Hayward, you might remember him. Uh, he used to live in Boston. Um, he penned an interesting blog about why he left the Boston Celtics. Um, he talked about uh, wanting more responsibility and changing expectations and touches. And it doesn't seem like that's what he got in Charlotte, as best I can tell, but he's making a ton of money. Um, any reaction to uh, Hare Gordon's little blog post? You know, I didn't read the blog post, but uh, none of this is surprising. And uh, I will say that, you know, talking about this more responsibility and more touches yesterday, um, you know, yesterday I uh, tuned in a little bit for the Charlotte Hornets game against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Hornets have actually been one of my favorite non-Celtics teams to watch. Absolutely. Super fun. Um, and, you know, Gordon Hayward had a really good game. He had a steal followed by a two-handed power dunk to uh, basically bring the Hornets within one possession in that game. And they ended up winning. I, I, they either, I, he either tied it or brought them within one possession, I forget. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think Gordon Hayward has a much more pronounced leadership role on the Charlotte Hornets than he did in Boston, where realistically, once Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown blossomed into the players that they are becoming, it was pretty obvious that it was their team going forward. Uh, and, you know, say what you will about the Gordon Hayward experience in Boston. Um, he, he didn't get a lot of opportunities to be the best version of himself for a variety of reasons uh, while he was on this team. And uh, I think it, it makes sense, uh, you know, obviously Jordan throwing the extra $20 million of guaranteed money didn't hurt, but uh, I think there's more than just that as to why he ultimately picked Charlotte. Uh, and, you know, for what it's worth, Charlotte is right behind Boston in the East standings and they're having a really good year. So you're not wrong about that. Dr. Quinn, any thoughts? Uh, I mean, good for him. You know, he seems to be happy, and that makes me happy. I mean, the man skipped uh, the birth of his child to be there for the Celtics. You can't really cast aspersions on a person with that kind of dedication who was basically also playing on one leg while he was doing it. Good for him. That's yeah. really all I have to say. It seemed like weird timing, but if it's, you know, um, throwing gas on this Charlotte Hornets fire, go for it. Uh, okay, um, one last thing. We were supposed to talk about Romeo Langford, but... I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to see that person play basketball this year. Uh, but really, more importantly, in the world of basketball, it was announced today that Adrian Brody has been cast as Pat Riley in a new HBO series about the Lakers set in the 1980s. Uh, I think that's the best thing that we could probably ever talk about ever on this podcast. As far as glitches in the Matrix go, this is my favorite one ever. Um, Adrian Brody is a weird dude, and I get the sense that Pat Riley is an even weirder one. So I don't know anything about the showrunner or if this is going to be good or crap or what, but I'm so pumped about this. Uh, gentlemen. Man. Um, you know, Adrian Brody is a really talented actor. He's been in a lot of really good movies um, and uh, he's delivered some nice performances. Academy Award winner, I believe. Um, you know, I think this is, this role is not going to be easy for him. Uh, the duality of, playing an Irish guy who is also playing an Italian guy at the same time in Pat Riley. Uh, that, that's, that's not the easiest Very thing meta. to do in the world. But Every other guy know. in Boston plays that role every week. It's true. <laughs> it is true. 
no, I, I think, sure, why not? High budget Adrian Brody production. Hell, even if it's crappy, it'll be entertaining. Yeah, yeah I'm up for more sports movies of, you know, a historical, non-fictitious bent. You don't get enough of that in this world, so why not? Who's playing LeBron in the meeting when Pat Riley slams all his rings on the table and brings... Well, it's, it's the Showtime Lakers, I think. It's the 80s. you got to give me, like, a post credit scene, though, or something. It's not the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, and then we will talk about the Celtics and, like, actual news, Space Jam 2 is going to be so bad. Oof. It's going to be, like, outrageously bad. It's going to um, be really bad, but there is, there is one thing about that movie that gets me kind of interested which is that don Cheadle is playing the bad guy and don Cheadle really loves to like kill it in bad movies so Mm -hmm. i'm i might see it just for that (laughs) yeah well i don't know that's that's also another podcast next week we'll discuss the japan olympics and space jam 2 uh but for this week let's actually hone in on some celtics news uh let's not dwell on it too long but the celtics did have a game against the Nets that was reasonably close, close for three and a half quarters. Um, and it did feature Marcus Smart's return from injury uh, and a pretty big block on James Harden by the Time Lord. And then to follow that up, the Celtics had a very nice win against Houston where Robert Williams was very good. Um, and it's not even in our rundown because we're never going to talk about it. Brad Stevens is not going to go coach in Indiana. So let's just ignore that. But uh, Dr. Quinn, your thoughts on the Nets game and the Rockets game? Coaches in basketball don't get $22 million buyouts. I'm sorry. They don't. I had to say <laughs> that. I'm sorry. Um, the, the Nets game, did you say, or the, or the Rockets game? Pick your poison. Um, regarding the Houston game, I mean, they are, they are approaching historic losing streak level at this point. So, I mean, I guess that should be taken with a grain of salt. Um, there was a moment early in the game uh, where there was kind of this like creeping fear. It was yep. just going to be one of those losses, but it turned out pretty good. I'm pretty happy with what we saw. Um, pretty balanced effort. One of the more balanced efforts um, among the starters that we've seen all season. And that, you know, Rob was amazing. What else can I say? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll add that there were moments where it felt like it could be a disaster. And those Sunday games have been traps for the Celtics all season long. Uh, But Tatum and then later Brown did the all-star thing where when the team needed production, they made it happen. Um, So to your point, it's a really, really sad, miserable Houston Rockets team. Uh, But the Celtics still saw some real chops out of their leaders. So that was good. Uh, Alex, were you able to catch either the Houston game or the Brooklyn game? And do you have any thoughts? I caught all of the Houston game and 80% of the Brooklyn game. Um, And of course the chunk of time that I missed in the Brooklyn game was when the Celtics, uh, you know, kind of folded and fell apart. And by that (laughs) point it was over. Um, So I think, honestly, I feel pretty good about both of these games. Um, The Celtics hung tough and Marcus Smart actually said after the game that he was proud of the way that the team fought uh, in the Brooklyn game in his first game back. Uh, and I think he looked quite good, uh, and he adds so much to this team that uh, just his presence alone makes me feel better about where the Celtics are at. Um, I thought Rob looked good in both games. I mean, with Brooklyn, 
like that's a team that could that I, I think they have to be considered the favorites to win the Eastern Conference at this point. So to hang tough mm-hmm. against them, I think ultimately bodes well for the Celtics, even if it sucks that you didn't get the actual win. Um, and then the Houston game, I mean, Houston is barely a basketball team this year, so I don't know how much I can really take away from that one. They, they're, they're really, they're, times are dark in the H-Town. But, um, you know, it was, it was nice to see the main guys in Jalen and Jason get going. It was nice to see that Smart is continuing to do Marcus Smart things. Obviously, Rob was incredible. Um, Rob has been incredible for, you know, a solid 15 games in a row now. So uh, I think that uh, overall, I, I, was, I was quite happy with that one. Can't take too much away because, again, Houston is a dumpster filer. But... We'll see. I think if the Celtics can come out and deliver a good effort against Utah tonight, I'm going to feel pretty good about these three games. Yeah, that's been the nature of the season, right? It's our sense of the team really hinges on individual games. So depending on how the Celtics look uh, against Utah, you might be listening to this in a very different attitude tomorrow morning or the next day than maybe we're feeling right now. I will uh, admit that I've talked myself into the Celtics going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I'm locking them into that 4-5 matchup, and they'll be fine. They can beat the Heat or the Pacers or whatever. And then they'll probably have to play the Sixers because I've convinced myself of that, and they'll beat the Sixers. So then the team to beat (laughs) is probably the Nets, um, and a a glorious loss to the Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals is going to hurt quite a bit. So that puts us around, like, July 4th. So I'm looking forward to not having a good July 4th weekend. We should should call it. We should call up Alec from OTG, get his thoughts on your thoughts on the Celtics beating the Sixers and the Eastern Conference semis this year. <laughs> Who's he really mad at? <laughs> uh, well, uh, but we don't want to spend too much time in the past, uh, but we also probably don't want to spend too much time on Rob Williams. He's definitely the talk of oh. the town in Boston. Um, <laughs> so we, I'm sure, have things to add, but I'm sure also all of our peers in the Celtics podcast space have gotten to this already uh but rob williams has looked consistently good um and with tristan thompson out for at least one game odds are he'll get uh even more time the time lord that is uh so uh either alex or justin what are your thoughts on how rob williams has been playing um i mean that should he start question has that we've circled that drain a number of times but we can circle it again um and then, actually, I have kind of an unpopular opinion, I think. So, Alex or Justin, do you want to start us off on the Rob Williams train? Yeah, sure. He's on the right to start. There's really good arguments for him to not start, uh, chief of which being his health situation. Um, that hip is a real issue. They are taking it very carefully. They should take it uh, very slowly. Okay. But I'm of the mind that, you know, before the end of the season, probably well before the end of the season, he should be getting at least some spot starts just to get the opportunity. Maybe not the regular starting center, but he should get some starts. That's my position. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive in saying that I think Robert Williams absolutely should start for the Celtics basketball team. Uh, I realize that the hip concern is something to monitor, but Robert Williams can start and still play the same amount of minutes that he's playing. You can still keep him on a minutes restriction. You can still limit his workload and the energy that he injects into our lineups 
sets the tone for the rest of the game. I think about how much better the Celtics looked against Houston, specifically when Rob and Smart came into the game and turned up the intensity. And by that logic, you can argue that Robert Williams uh, maybe should come off the bench as that energy guy. I think he has earned the right to be the tone setter, even more so than the energy guy. Um, and I think if Rob is able to start, even if he's playing the same amount of minutes, if you just kind of jiggle the rotations a little bit, uh, I think you could see this Celtics team come out with a lot more energy early. Uh, so I'm all in. I think Rob is the best center on this team. I think he should start. Uh, if you have to limit his, limit his minutes, so be it. But it's time. So uh, the Celtics are an average first quarter team. And they are the worst fourth quarter team. Um, so it's actually not that interesting to me if Rob starts the game. Um, and Justin, to your point, he might be a little fragile. And as we've talked about before, we don't know how much gas he has in the tank in any given night because of COVID, because of conditioning, because of other things. So if you can get him to close games, that's really intriguing to me. The Celtics really need some help in the fourth quarter. Um, as of late, they've done a little bit better, but they still are dead last in fourth quarter plus minus. And uh, they sometimes choke like dogs and that's not great. Uh, so maybe Rob Williams can help. I actually think that the conversation around Rob Williams and the front line rotation is a bit of a miss in that. I don't know how many years in a row we're going to say, Oh, do the Celtics need a better center? I mean, it's just five years running now. Right. And this year I feel like some of the problems with the Celtics are either intangible or a little too ugly to put your finger on. And so this uh, kind of repetitive conversation about who should play center for the Celtics is incidental. Um, it's why I don't trade for Miles Turner. Centers, unless they're Joel Embiid or Shaq, don't move the needle in the NBA. Maybe Anthony Davis, but he doesn't want to be a center. So uh, probably Robert Williams, if he is healthy, should play more. It'd be very interesting if he should. Perhaps this is a signal that they're not interested in showcasing him. So they're not interested in trading him, which is kind of cool. Um, if it helps in the fourth quarter, I'm game. The first quarter is not the Celtics chief problem as far as I can tell. So uh, it does seem like whether or not, even before Tristan Thompson was ruled out, Brad Stevens had said, I believe after the Houston game that he's moving away from the double big lineup. Um, and I think Marcus Smart, uh, his return really helps kind of balance the rotation a little bit. So that is good to hear. But how they close games, for my money, is still uh, the chief concern. Um, any other thoughts on Rob Williams or Justin Thompson or anything on the front line before we move on? Um, Daniel Tice really didn't play at all against the yeah, Houston that's Rockets. Interesting. Which was I think less than 10 Yeah, no, he came out, he looked a little sluggish, and then he got yanked for Robert Williams and... Brad really never looked back. Now, maybe that's a function of the matchup. Houston was playing super small without Kristen Wood. So it might make sense for Brad to stick with bulkier front court players to kind of win yep. that matchup. That's entirely right. possible. And after the game, he talked to Daniel about uh, exactly what you just mentioned, Cam, that he's going to be moving away from the kind of Twin Towers lineups and in favor of teams that can play a little smaller with smart working back into the rotation. That's all well and good. I just thought it was something interesting to monitor. 
Um, and maybe that's related to this Tristan Thompson trade speculation that we're thinking about. Daniel Tice is also on an expiring contract, has to be said. And uh, I think he could be potentially a valuable piece for a team that is looking to upgrade their center position uh, in advance of a playoff run. Uh, Dallas, in particular, I feel like would be a really interesting fit for Daniel Tice. Um, that being, I, I don't think it's likely he'll be traded at the deadline. I think if the Celtics are going to be moving centers, Thompson is probably the one they will be. Uh, but something to note. Yeah, uh, it will be fascinating. I know that anyone who's listening will probably has already seen this Robert Williams uh, Rudy Gobert matchup, but I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Uh, speaking of the rest of the NBA and possible moves uh, to come, the trade deadline is March 25th. Um, that's my understanding. That's why Joe Biden has announced a big press conference on the NBA trade deadline. Uh, so we don't want to talk too much about trades, but it does seem pretty pertinent given that uh, the opportunity is closing in. So what we're going to do is something of a little game. Uh, we're just going to do a simple buy or sell. We're going to breeze through some of the most common talked about or reported on names that have been tied to the Boston Celtics. And in about 30 seconds or less, we'll uh, explain why we are either buying the hype or buying the idea or selling the hype or selling the idea. Uh, I'm sure that you have your own opinions. So uh, let's start with things that have been recently reported. The athletic, uh, made it known that a few names have been tied to the Celtics, however, not necessarily very convincingly. Um, and we actually on at Celtics lab on Twitter, put out a poll and some of our fans or viewers or well-wishers uh, responded that they think the following that uh, Atlanta's John Collins makes more sense for the Celtics than Mr. Harry Barnes. Uh, there was not much interest in LaMarcus Aldridge um, and there were a few people who said none of those people make sense for the Celtics, which fair enough. Uh, so let's just go in order uh, of those three and then we'll keep this game moving. So Alex, you have first dibs. Are you buying or selling John Collins hype? I'm selling pretty hard on this one. Um, I think that John Collins is fake available. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that Atlanta is particularly interested in moving him and my sense is that the Lloyd Pierce firing is somewhat related to this. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is that Collins and Trey Young were leading the charge to oust him. And uh, I think that leads me to believe that Atlanta ultimately values John Collins as a long-term asset a little bit more than I think a lot of people are necessarily giving them credit for. I think that John Collins is not good enough that he's untradeable. Uh, and I think Atlanta is doing their due diligence by dangling him out here, out there. But I don't think that they are gonna trade him unless they get absolutely blown away. And I just don't see that offer coming from the Celtics or really from anyone for that matter. Uh, my best guess is that John Collins is ultimately gonna resign in Atlanta uh, in this coming off season for a fat payday. Dr. Quinn. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards that as well. Uh, Jared Weiss was on Celtics Beat recently talking about this, and he's super into the idea. In theory, I am as well of seeing him on a Celtics team. I think he could actually fit pretty well uh, alongside Tatum and Brown. 
but they are asking for Brown uh, in any kind of trade conversation as Weiss reports it. And that's just like, if you were asking for something like that and you know how important he is to Boston's future, whether it's part of a larger deal or not, I, I, it just doesn't sound like they're really earnestly trying. They're just like, hey, if you say yes, we'll do it. But are you really going to say yes? I mean, looking at the roster construction, I could see them thinking that they're <laughs> this is an earnest uh, trade proposal. Uh, I'm also selling if only because we just talked about how much we want to see Robert Williams succeed in Boston. I don't know why we would bring John Collins and presumably Alex, to your point, a a big payday. Why would you muddy those waters? So uh, I'm selling that whether or not he actually gets moved. uh, I'm not sure. I, I think athletes should reserve the right to not want to work with certain coworkers. And if he and Trey don't have a good relationship, that might be legit. I don't know. Okay. Next on our list, I'll speak to you, uh, Dr. Quinn. Uh, I believe I know the answer. Are you buying or selling Harry Barnes in a Celtics uniform? Depends. First of all, they can't go into the tax to do it. Right. They just can't do it. If they did, they would have to have a place to put Kemba. And at this point, we are in so many ifs that it's not even really worth analyzing. But, you know, as as any larger deal, there are ways, Tristan Thompson, um, that you could make most of these deals that fit within the TPE function. So that way you don't end up paying the tax. And if you could, if you could not trade too many assets, one or maybe two first round picks or preferably a young player. Sure. But we were also hearing from the likes of Sam Amick uh, of the athletic that this is not something that the Kings are into. So I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Yeah. And just uh, as a point of clarity before you go, Alex, I'm, because of the way the TPE works, it would have to be two separate deals. So in order to absorb Harry Barnes's contract and keep the Celtics uh, under that um, tax threshold, they would have to move a certain amount of salary out, presumably in a separate deal, or at least it would go to the league as a separate deal. And it would probably be Tristan Thompson's $9 million or something to that effect. Uh, Alex, you buying or selling? Um, I am... I think I'm going to sell lightly on this one. Um, you know, it's definitely something that is possible and there's a lot of murmurs around it. So, uh, you know, I don't doubt that the Celtics are interested, but again, it's a question of uh, what the Kings actually want. And I think with the Celtics rotation kind of rounding into form here, assuming health for everybody, it, it just strikes me that there's not going to be much by way of a deal there. Um, and, you know, Danny Ainge said on a, a, um, on a radio interview, which it's a little weird that he does. I can't think of other GMs doing a lot of radio interviews, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, he, he, he mentioned that he is in all likelihood not using this big TPE in this season. So uh, I, I'm going to take him at his word there. Uh, Danny doesn't make in-season trade a whole lot trades a whole lot as it is. So uh, I think I'm, I'm going to sell on this one. I'm just for the sake of parlor intrigue. Um, I'm going to buy it, but I think that there's a lot of logistical hurdles. Okay. Um, Alex, you're very right that Denny Ainge did uh, kind of hint that the TBE, the big Gordon Hayward one is not going to be used this season. There's a few others of smaller size that are available to play with, but um now that we have set the table, let's pull everything off. Uh, buying or selling Jeremy Grant to the Celtics, Alex? 
no way, not happening. Well said, Dr. Quinn. Um, I think Jeremy is young. He's on a nice contract. Uh, and he very intentionally signed with the Detroit Pistons. If you listen to his interview on the Low Post, which I recommend, by the way, really good. Um, he very intentionally signed with the Pistons for a few reasons, for uh, the chance to be the kind of lead dog on a team, get uh, a higher profile role and more responsibility, and uh, because the Pistons have a black coach and a black GM. And that's very important to Jeremy Grant. Um, I think the Pistons really wanted to get Jeremy Grant this offseason, and I don't think that he is available really at all. I think that the Celtics might be interested in trading for Jeremy Grant, but I don't think the Pistons are interested in trading him. Dr. Quinn, buying or selling? I have to echo exactly what Alex was saying. I mean, that's really it in a nutshell. There, there's all the interest in the world. Why wouldn't you be interested? Uh, it's a good value deal. He's playing you know, career season, but the other parameters, it just makes it impossible. I mean, you can't make a team trade a player. This is true. Uh, Yeah, I I suspect that either Danny Ainge or the Pistons are using the Athletic to talk to other GMs because nothing about that makes any sense. So I am also selling the crap out of that. Uh, I'm not even going, I think it would be rude and belittling to ask you if you're buying a LaMarcus Aldridge trade. So I won't do that. But are you <laughs> buying or selling a possible LaMarcus Aldridge uh, addition to the Celtics via the buyout market? Uh, Alex, you buying or selling? Um, that's something I actually could see. I think that the Celtics are going to be hunting on the buyout market more so than they are going to be looking super hard into the trade market uh, at the deadline. Um, I mentioned in the last pod that, you know, there's a couple of candidates, including Otto Porter, that I think could be of interest. But LaMarcus is, if he gets bought out, he's going to be available for cheap. The Celtics will have more room than most teams to offer him. Uh, And I think that's a highly plausible outcome. It means in all likelihood that Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice would need to be shipped out just for roster crunch reasons. Uh, But it's definitely something that could happen. I'm not sure it's something that should happen. I don't particularly love where LaMarcus's game is at right now. And I'm not sure how much he adds to this team. But um, if we're looking at moves that are more in the realm of plausibility, I think you could definitely see something like that. And Danny Ainge stated that if the Celtics are looking to upgrade it anywhere, it's uh, they want a four who can shoot. In theory, LaMarcus Aldridge is that guy. I knew Alex was going to struggle with the 30-second thing. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Quinn, you buying or selling? Um, I'm selling, you know, like in theory he could fit, but I mean, right now there's no room for him. Even if they do get rid of one big, are they really going to want a big who's clearly going to want a bigger role? One of the reasons he's leaving San Antonio is because he's not happy about being benched and Miami really wants him and tried to trade for him and is confident they're going to get him if they can't trade for him. So I don't think he's coming to Boston. Yeah. I'm going to sell that too. I think it's a, uh, an exercise in how in the dog days of the regular season media um, s- stories kind of cycle and get spread but like a- anyone with a 10,000 foot view knows that LaMarcus Aldridge will not be playing for the Celtics um, that said Alex you kind of teased this there has been talk of not just a Tristan Thompson trade but a specific Tristan Thompson trade Tristan Thompson uh, being sent to his homeland uh, to the Toronto Raptors even if they're playing 
in Tampa Bay. Uh, Dr. Quinn, you get first crack. You buying or selling Tristan Thompson to the Toronto Raptors? I mean, it makes sense. If you're going to send him someplace and it's not going to be for a contender as he would like it to be, then that's the only team I can think of that makes any sense whatsoever, except for maybe Cleveland, that it would make any sense. So I'm conditionally very, very delicately buying. And Alex? Um, yeah, I could see it. I think Tristan Thompson, obviously, as a native of Toronto, the important thing with trading Tristan Thompson is you want to send him to a place where he's happy because that clutch connect is really, really important. And Celtics already have a bad reputation with clutch as it is. They probably can't afford for it to get any worse. Um, but I think sending Tristan Thompson to Toronto makes sense for Toronto, definitely. And if the Celtics are looking to change some things about their roster. Thompson is probably the most obvious trade candidate. So really anywhere that you can send him that he will be happy, I think is something that you should consider. Very well put. Uh, I'm selling it because don't need Aaron Baines. I'm buying Tristan Thompson to the Lakers, even though I don't know if it's financially possible um, because I love Tristan Thompson and LeBron's friendship. And Alex, you're so right. I love worshiping at the altar of clutch sports. Um, so I have no idea if that's possible and I have traded NBA.com in front of me. I, maybe I'll report back. Uh, but interestingly enough, the number one name trending on uh, TradeNBA.com is any guesses? Mr. Aaron Tristan Gordon. Thompson. Oh, Aaron. Uh, Tristan Thompson was like fifth. Romeo Langford is like always in the mix for whatever that's worth. Um, There's no trade value. <laughs> yeah. Well, the vibes, the vibes are good. Well, we don't even know if the vibes are good. He's been like a month or in a year. Uh, anyways, uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh, Alex, you buying or selling Aaron Gordon to the Celtics? Um, I think I'm going to sell on this. And it's not because the fit uh, is particularly bad. I just think that um, Orlando is going to be asking for more than the Celtics are willing to fork over for Aaron Gordon. Um, I think they are not... I think they want to see what they can get for him. But if he leaves outright in free agency, I don't think they're going to be beating themselves up over it. Uh, Orlando is heading into a deep rebuild. So any way that they can clear their books, I think would be fine with them. Not if you ask them. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Quentin, you're, I, I take it you're not buying it? I'm not buying it. And... There's no reason for the Celtics to not be among the rumored teams interested in him. And the only report that I'm aware of was the recent piece by Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher that did not include the Celtics among the six teams interested in him. So I'm selling. I love that you are citing so many sources, doing all the hard work for us. Uh, I guess I'm selling it realistically, but I'm kind of buying it emotionally. Uh, he is on a very interesting contract that, uh, descends um, it I think is 18 and a half million this year and then or 18.1 and then 16 and a half next year something in that ballpark um, which is not too shabby um, and I think there's a lot of teams that might want him and I don't even know what the basketball fit would look like but I really like Aaron Gordon so uh, another interesting name to keep an eye on is Sacramento's Nimenia Bielitsa who makes $7.1 million this year on an expiring contract um, playing for a Sacramento Kings team that is a dumpster fire. 
Alex, are you buying or selling the possibility of uh, Mr. Bielitsa joining the Celtics? I am very much buying this one. Uh, Bielitsa seems like he is the right mix of cheap, available, and reasonably good for what the Celtics are looking for. Um, he has barely played at all in Sacramento and was still a decent player the last time that he was on the court. It was purely a matter of he's just not part of their future plans, and that's been made very clear. So if he's available, and it sounds like he's probably available for pretty cheap, I think Danny Ainge and the Celtics should be all over this one. I'm hearing something uh, fairly similar. The rumored price is a second round pick, which is exactly what Boston would want to play for, pay for this kind of a player. There's the argument that he wasn't, that he isn't shooting well anymore, which is his main value. Um, he does have, you know, some cutting ability. He's got some, some ability to post up as well. He has things he could do that would definitely help the Celtics besides shooting. But even assuming like the, the, the shooting seems to have happened right about the time that he lost his starting spot. Uh, so there may be a connection there and I would still be happy with him just as, as a, a veteran presence who has some other skills that are useful. So I'm also buying. Yeah, he is uh, six foot 11. He is a career 38% three point shooter. And as recently as last year, he was shooting 42% from deep. Uh, that makes me pretty intrigued. He's also a reasonable playmaker. Um, he's averaging north of two assists a game, a limited playing time. Uh, so for all of those reasons, I am a buyer, but uh, here is the cherry on top. According to basketball reference, his nickname is Professor Big Shots, and that's fun. So, uh, Mr. Bielitsa, come on down. Welcome to the Celtics. Uh, so let's uh, conclude with this. Uh, Justin has asked us to identify a few players that haven't been actually identified as Celtics trade targets, or any trade targets for that matter, um, but that we would perhaps love to see uh, come to Boston or at least do the thing where Danny Ainge flirts with it and then politely tells us, well, it just didn't happen. So uh, that's how we'll conclude our time together. We'll share a player out there in the NBA ether that it would be really interesting, we think, to join the Boston Celtics. Um, I'm listed as going first. I'm happy to go first unless someone is excited to hop in. Oh, boy. So uh, I would love for the Celtics to figure out how to trade for Patty Mills. Um, he plays for the Spurs, for anyone who doesn't know that. Uh, he is energetic. He's having a career year shooting and sharing the ball. Um, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's a little undersized, but hey, what Celtics point guard isn't, you know? Um, now, uh, I'm, I wrote about this for Off the Glass Basketball in a piece that will probably drop tomorrow or the next day. So how's, how's that for a tease? But... Uh, Importantly, the Spurs never, ever, ever make in-season trades, so this won't happen. Uh, and probably the asking price, if the Spurs were to trade Patty Mills, is a little too steep. But the Spurs have one of the toughest remaining schedules left in the entire NBA in a very crowded Western Conference. Uh, so if they are smart, I think, especially with players like Lamarcus Aldridge uh, jumping ship and possibly Rudy Gay, I think they should ship out their veterans and... Uh, get ahead on pre-agency and I would trade Grant Williams and a pick and of course Jeff T for Patty Mills. So uh, he makes like 12 and a half, 13 million dollars, something like that. You would have to use either some of the big TPE or be financially creative otherwise. But uh, the player that has not been reported at all as part of the trade rumor mill, 
but I want to see him in Celtic screen is Patty Mills. Uh, Dr. Quinn, what about you? Like you, I recently uh, put together a piece on such a trade, and that would be Al Horford. Um, now, I want to say I don't think it's particularly likely, and I don't necessarily think it's particularly likely because of the cap implications. You know, he did sign a deal that they did, you know, pass on initially. Uh, I don't think they were expecting him to keep playing as well as he has. You know, he's looking as good or better than when he was with Boston in Oklahoma City. And the, that's really the reason why it's not super plausible because they mm-hmm. apparently really like him there. And, you know, for good reason, he is playing very, very, very well for them. Um, you know, his, the last year of his contract, it's probably pretty well known by now. He's on the hook for only $14 million if he doesn't get you to the finals. Um, it seems pretty unlikely he's going to get Oklahoma City to the finals, but you never know what could happen <laughs> in a year. That said, you know, with that clause built in and the way that he's been playing and the connection he has with some of the existing players and what the connection some of the uh, younger players on the team that have since joined since he left could really use, um, I would really love to have him back. So that's my mm-hmm. guy. I stand by that. And Alex, uh, are there any reaction to either of those or do you have a player that has not been included in any real reporting that you want to see in a Celtics uniform. I'll tell you what, Cam, I'll give you both. Um, <laughs> so the Patty Mills thing, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's not going to happen. I just don't see the Spurs making a lot of in-season trades. And Patty Mills is reportedly beloved by the Spurs organization and community generally. So mm-hmm. I think he will probably be staying there uh, as much as I know you love your Aussies. Sorry to say. Um, I, I also think that there's concerns because the Celtics would then be overloaded with small guards who can shoot and can't defend anybody in Kemba Walker, Patty Mills, and presumably Peyton Pritchard. So that would be a little weird. But I could sort of see the appeal just in the shooting. Um, Al Horford would be awesome. I love Al Horford. I have loved Al Horford since he put on a Celtics uniform for the first time. Uh, and I would be thrilled to have him back. Again, for the reasons you laid out, Justin, I don't think it's particularly likely, but man, that would be cool. And I think that if they traded for Al Horford and Al Horford continues to play at roughly the level he's at, that changes the Celtics um, Mm -hmm. ceiling for this year, in my mind. Um, A guy that I've been looking at, so when the Tristan Thompson as a possible Toronto trade candidate dropped, Um, I started looking over Toronto's roster and thinking about what they're looking to do and uh, how they're going to be approaching the rest of the season. And one name that I think could be interesting to watch is Norman Powell. Norman Powell is having a career year for the Raptors. He is shooting lights out from the field and is pretty clearly one of their best, if not their outright best offensive player right now. Norman Powell also has a player option at the end of this year that he can choose to exercise or not exercise, which means if he continues playing at the level he's at, there are going to be teams that are interested in signing Norman Powell. And I have to Mm -hmm. think he is probably going to test free agency. So with all that being said, if we're flipping Tristan Thompson for Toronto, why not go for assuming the Celtics cannot afford to pay him long-term. Why not go for, if you're going to go in on trying to win it all this year, why not go for an electric scorer who can basically single-handedly boost the bench offense, be our six man and carry 
a bench unit that is severely lacking in points. Uh, the trade I have set up is Tristan Thompson, Semi Ojale, Carson Edwards, and a 2023 first round pick. Uh, I would assume the protections would be worked out at a later time. For Norman Powell and Aaron Baines, just to fill the hole at center left by Tristan Thompson. I don't think Baines is particularly good anymore. He's certainly not the player that the Celtics had a couple of years ago. But as a big body who's familiar with Brad Stevens' system and who can give you some minutes, I think he's perfectly fine for that role. And then to have Powell as the high minutes bench point guard with Peyton Pritchard, I think could be a really fun way to juice this team's possible fortunes going forward. So that's my guy. I don't think it's going to happen because Masai Ujiri doesn't particularly like to sell low. And I think this would be selling low. But on the other hand, you're getting a first round pick for a dude who's probably not going to re-sign at this rate anyway. So yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, by the next time that we pod, presumably a week from today, Celtics roster could look very different. Uh, you can find this podcast and most podcatcher apps. Uh, if you've made it this far, you might as well subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, please rate us five stars, review us, or if you didn't like anything, go ahead and leave a comment. We read them from time to time. Uh, gentlemen, anything you'd like to plug? Usual stuff, usual place. I'll say it this time, Celtics Wire. <laughs> that makes um, Justin's bosses very happy. Alex? Yeah, uh, Divine Sweater, band stuff. If you like the intro music that you heard at the beginning of this podcast, plenty more of that coming your way. Check back in on March 26th. In the meantime, follow Divine Sweater on at Divine Sweater at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And uh, their bassist is a pretty good-looking guy, if I do oh, say yes. so myself. Uh, I just want to plug one last time our new monthly C-Laboration freebie giveaway where we are highlighting Celtics community creatives. This month, uh, we are partnered with Smurfwater, at Smurfwater on Twitter. Uh, if you go onto our Twitter, at Celtics Lab on Twitter, you can win yourself a very cool Marcus Smart t-shirt. And I'd like to also close by thanking the folks at the Reggie Lewis Center who walked me through my first vaccine shot. They were kind and helpful, and it was smooth and wonderful. Um, over at Celtics Hub, I wrote about my experience and about Reggie Lewis, um, but I really just want to shout out the folks who made that happen. So I hope everyone listening is staying safe and practicing COVID safety and smartness, unlike my students, apparently. And thanks for listening. <laughs>